want to share with you this morning the message of an unseen father. If there's anything missing right now in our society, it's fathers. They've been relegated to sidelines, and many men have just given up trying. But a father's heart is so essential to restoring this nation, restoring the church, restoring the principles of God. But it's got to start with all of us understanding our father, the unseen father. We thank God for Jesus. We worship Christ. We exalt Christ. But the whole point of Christ was to bring us to the father. And I believe that most of all, the father in the church is unseen. His love keeps pouring out and pouring out. But we seek after blessings and gifts and move of the spirit and so forth. And if we would, like we just experienced just be bathed in the love of the Father this morning. He's so often overlooked and unseen in our midst. If there's one thing I could say is he is the most misunderstood Father there is. How many of you like Jesus but are a little bit afraid? I was going to say a scared. That's what I'd say when I was a kid. I'm a scared of that. But how many of you have this, this fear of, of God and it's hard to Consider him his father. But what I want to share with you this morning is, is God's absolute passion for us to understand his father's heart. Probably the best scene I can see that in is when Moses asks God to show me your glory. Moses has been taken up in a cloud. He's 40 days with, with Yahweh, with God. God is explaining what he's going to do. He's going to bring them into the promised land and give them the land that he had promised to Abraham that he would go before them. Moses said, uh, don't send an angel. Don't send anybody else. It's only you. And if you're not going, we're not going. And God said, I'm going. I'm there for you. I am with you. And after summarizing all of their future together and the destiny of Israel, Moses says, but there's one more thing. Please, show me your glory. Show me your glory. Come on. Do you understand when he said this? I mean, show me your glory. Show me glory. What do we think glory is? God's power? He already saw God show up with ten plagues and absolutely obliterate all the gods of Egypt. He saw the fire of God's glory in a burning bush and literally heard his, his voice. In verse 11 it says, he talked to God as a friend talks face to face. Show me your glory. You heard God's voice. You saw his majesty. You've seen his power. When you came face to face with the Red Sea and an enemy's on your tail, you lift up a staff and God separates and parts the sea for a million people to walk through on dry land. What else do you need to see? Come on, Mo. What do you need to see? See, there's a lot of fathers that show up after they come home from work. There's a lot of fathers that have a lot of strength and power. Wait till your father gets home. But that's not fathering. Oh, we need a father to be strong and we need him to show up, definitely. We need him to lead and direct, yes, but Moses 
needed something deeper. He, he wanted something more. And God responds and he says this. And he said, God said, I will make all my goodness. Wow, goodness. There is no shadow of evil or turning in him. He is pure goodness. We don't understand what that is. Everything in this life is tainted. Everything is soured with sin. Everything has some shadow in it, some second thought, some hesitation. But God's pure, pure goodness. I'm going to show you all of my goodness and have it pass before you and will proclaim before you my name. In other words, when I reveal my name, I'm going to reveal to you my heart and my character, all that I am. You wanted it. I'm going to reveal this to you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I'll show mercy on whom I'll show mercy. And so he's going to tell Moses, this is what he's going to do. I'm going to reveal my glory. Well, what glory is, is the heart and the nature of something. The glory of a rose bush is what? The rose. That fruit of its nature. The glory of an apple tree is what? An apple. The glory of a fish is it swims. The glory of a bird is it flies. What is the glory of God? His heart. His father heart. Look at what it says in the next chapter as he puts Moses, he says, look at Moses, you, you can't handle the truth. I'm going to put you in a cleft of a rock because you can't handle seeing my face. You can't handle seeing the fullness, all of my goodness at once. It's like stare into the sun for about a minute. You'll end up blind. In this human condition, we cannot see the fullness of God. And I'm telling you this story because it is God himself who is revealing his glory. He's telling you what his nature is, what his glory is. And so it says here in 34, 5 and 6, the Lord passed before him, put him in the cleft of the rock, passed before him and proclaimed. It's a revelation you cannot see you have to know from God his heart. This is what he said. Yahweh, Yahweh, and Elohim, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abundant in steadfast love and faithfulness. Now, is that what you read in the Old Testament God? Ask anybody who's ever looked at the Old Testament, and that's not the God they see. They see an angry God. They see a God that's willing to kill and destroy and beat and punish his children when they just mess up a little bit now and then. We don't understand the Father's heart. Do you understand that within Israel was God's plan for the redemption of mankind? Anytime Israel would go astray and go after false gods, which was quite often, it was 
potentially destroying God's plan to save you and I, all of mankind throughout history. The other nations were there to absolutely destroy Israel, this tiny little nation that that the enemy wanted to cut off the plan of God. God had to make sure Israel was strong. God had to make sure he disciplined them back. God had to make sure they would obey and listen for the sake of all humanity. That's a father's heart. I've seen fathers where there's one rebellious son that is absolutely destroying the rest of the family and for the sake of maintaining peace in the household and caring for the rest of the children, you got to come down hard on that other kid. It's a father's heart and a father's love. And so here it is. This is what Jehovah is saying. This is what Yahweh is saying. You want to see my glory. This is the fruit of who I am. This is exactly my father's heart. I am merciful. I am gracious. I am slow to anger. I'm so patient. And I am abounding in a steadfast love for you. And I will be forever faithful. Who doesn't want a father like that? Mercy. Mercy means that that what we deserve has been placed aside because of my mercy for you. You deserve far less, but I'm going to be merciful. Gracious. Mercy is forgiving us for what what we really should be deserving, but grace gives us something undeserving. I'm giving you all that I am. I'm going to be gracious to you. Patient, so patient, patient, so, so patient with us. And abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, commitment. I am committed to be merciful and gracious and patient with all of you. <laughs> I got a reaction on that one. And abounding, abounding. It it means it keeps coming. It doesn't end. It's never going to cease. Abounding in steadfast love. Now that's the English term for this. It's a Hebrew word, hased. Hased is is a word for, for, for love that we have no English translation for. We have no idea the depth of what this word means. It's spoken 248 times in the Old Testament, and there's no precise equivalent in the English language. In fact, in 1488 uh, to 1569, Miles Coverdale translated the first English Bible in 1535, and he, he created this hyphenated word, loving kindness, to try to express the full expression of this steadfast love. In all of your Bible translations, these are the different ways they try to translate hased love, a father's love, God's love. It's called a a faithful love. It's a, a wonderful love. It's a steadfast love. It's an unfailing love. It is a great love. It is a loving commitment. It's 
covenant love. Steadfast, faithful, never wavering, always there, full of wonder. And he said, abundant in my hesed. It's a love that you cannot break. You can shun him. You can curse him. You can revile him. But he will love you. God so loved this world that he gave his son. Hasid. So committed after all of our failings, after all of our cursing and stumbling, his grace and his mercy and his patience, but most of all, his hased, his covenant love pours out for us. Moses wanted to see God's glory. And when you read this word, We want to see some action. We want to see power. I want to see fire, pillar of fire, smoke by day. I want to see God part seas. I want to see miracles. I want to see God raise the dead. I want to see, do you know how insignificant that is to God in respect to what he wants us to know most about his glory? It's not the light show. It's not the thunder. It's not the flashes. All of that is a byproduct of his enormous love for us. If he has to move a sea for his love, he'll move a sea. If he has to raise the dead, he'll raise the dead so that we would get a grasp of his glory and his glory is his Father's heart for us. Oh my, it's so unseen in the church. We're looking for all the wrong things. Oh, but it goes on. He said, keeping. First he said it's going to be an abundant, steadfast love. He he said that it's going to be abounding. And now he's saying it's keeping a committed covenant love for thousands. And the implication in the Hebrew is for a thousand generations. And most of the time when you see the word thousand, it, it means eternal. On and on and on and on. My love is going to go for a thousand generations to all of you. Forgiving iniquity and transgression. What's he going to do about sin? What is his heart in dealing with our failure? I, I just read it. You can answer. Thank you. <laughs> Forgiving. What is his desire? To forgive iniquity and transgressions and sin. He has a plan for this. Israel didn't even fully know it. He gave them a a, a substitute in the meantime, the sacrificial system, to train them that he is a forgiving God. He is a gracious God. He's so holy. He wants to be in their midst. But they are so foul and so sinful. He's got to have some kind of way that he can remain with them so he... He introduces the sacrificial system so that the innocent would be punished because as a righteous judge, he has to deal with the sin. But he's so merciful, so gracious, so steadfast, he puts forth a substitute for us so that his love will continue for a thousand generations. Now this is his heart, forgiving iniquity and transgression. But who 
by no means will clear the guilty. You see, you can't do that. You can't overlook sin. When in in the righteousness and in the judgment of God, truth must weigh out to be true always. When one thing, an iniquity, a sin, anything, offends the holiness of God, it must be dealt with. It has no reason to exist in His creation. And He will deal with sin. But He's so, so forgiving against iniquity and transgressions, He will provide a way to remove the sin. Some people think that when Jesus died and forgives us of our sin, that God just sweeps it away. Oh, we're forgiven. But that is not so. Every sin was put upon Christ. There is not one sin in all of human history that will ever have been gone unnoticed or swept under a rug. It was all paid for at the cross through Jesus Christ. Every sin. Oh, it was just a little white lie. Christ felt it on his body. Everything. And this is his love for us, providing. He is so pure and holy, he cannot let sin go. But he is so forgiving and gracious and merciful, he paid for it himself. That's a father. How many fathers have given up their meal? How many fathers have given up their time, given up what they need because their kid needs something? Well, God ultimately has given up everything for you and I. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Oh, there you go. That's that guy I know in the Old Testament. And people misunderstand this portion of his revelation of who he is. They they continue to go, yeah, there's the judgment of God visiting the iniquity of fathers on the children and the children's children. So if your grandfather sinned, God's going to punish you for it. God wants to punish it. In light of everything that he has just fully expressed, we misunderstand what he's saying here. He's got forgiveness for a thousand generations of mercy and grace. What does he mean here? Visiting. Who's doing the visiting? God is bringing punishment or discipline on the iniquity of fathers who pass it to their children and to their children and to their children. Why? Because if you discipline the sin, what is the hope? They'll stop. They'll repent. And he's not going to give up trying with one generation. If one generation falls into sin and continues in sin and passes it on to the next generation, the loving Father will discipline that generation. And if it continues, he'll visit on that generation because he wants to win a generation back to his mercy and grace. That's what that means. 
It's not because he's holding a grudge and he wants to punish anybody he can. He wants to discipline his children and, and he wants to correct them to the third, to the fourth generation. He will work with you. And how many times did we see that in Israel? How many times did he fight back and forth with Moses? Moses is like, I'm sick of these people, you deal with them. And God's going, I'm sick of these people, Moses, you deal with them. But he would work with them to the next generation, to the next generation. And how many kings of Israel, kings of Judah, were evil and did evil in God's sight, but he didn't give up. Why? He kept visiting them to discipline them because his heart is crying to forgive and bring mercy to them. He won't give up on us. You see, Moses said, show me your glory. This is the glory of Father God. His heart is to love and to be in love with us. How do I know this? Because of Jesus. Listen to John 1:14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his what we have seen his what we have seen his glory Moses said show me your glory God said you cannot bear to see it God put his glory in human flesh and we saw his glory. John is hearkening back to this moment on Mount Sinai. We've seen his glory. Glory as of the one and only Son from the Father. Full of grace and truth. Isn't that the nature that he revealed? Full of nature. Full of grace and truth. Verse 18. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. He is the glory of God. Jesus is the glory. Jesus is the love of God. Paul tells us that nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the love of God. Jesus is the manifest presence of his glory. Everything that Moses hoped to have seen, God could only speak to him. But in time, what he spoke to him, that word became flesh and dwelt among us. It is Jesus. That emanation of who Father is, is the Son, begotten in flesh, so that we would see this glory he described as steadfast love, ever forgiving, gracious, and merciful, abounding to us. That is Christ Jesus. In fact, when Jesus was discussing it with his disciples and saying he was going to go to the Father, Philip said, could you just show us the Father? It's almost like Moses all over. Just show me the Father. And Jesus says, oh, Philip, 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 Philip. Whoever has seen me, what? Has seen father how can you say show us the father do you not believe that i 
am in the Father, and the Father is in me. The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his what? Works. Words and works. Jesus said, none of the words I spoke to you were of my own volition. They were revealing whom? Father. None of the works that I did or achieved, laying hands on the sick, healing, casting out demons, all of that was my Father's work. Why? Well, you read it in Exodus. Because He is merciful and gracious and abounding in steadfast love, willing to forgive and to discipline. And that was Jesus. How many of you fell in love with the Jesus of the New Testament? His gentleness, His gracefulness, His healing, His passion, His heart. Well, the one you fell in love with is the Father. But you didn't know it. Because most see the Father through the lens of a failed nation of Israel. It would be like walking into a dysfunctional house and seeing a father having to spank his kids and tell the others to clean up their room and being exasperated with the condition and you come out saying, what kind of dad is that? That's sometimes how we look at the Old Testament. But Jesus said, if you've seen me, if you love what you see in me, you've seen the Father. He came to reveal Father. He is the glory that Moses asked God to reveal. Not only that, he is the abounding love. He is the grace. He is the mercy. He is the forgiveness. He is the judgment. He is the sacrifice. He is the wall and all that God's heart is manifest in Christ to bring us to himself. That's our Father. The writer of Hebrews put it this way. He is the radiance of the glory of God. Please show me your glory. We've seen him. I love what John says in 1 John. He says, we've seen the glory of God, whom we have seen, we have heard, and I love this part, and we have touched with our hands. Moses, you can't even look at me. But God put him in flesh for all of us to look on him. And where did he hang him so that all could see him? And all could see this glory manifest to its complete majesty of love. It is a body beaten brutally, savagely by mankind, hanging on a tree, crying out the voice of his father, Forgive them. They know not what they do. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. Get this. The exact imprint of his nature. It's exacting. It is not flawed in any capacity. Jesus didn't miss one iota or one reference to who God is 
in his ministry and work. He said it's finished. It is complete. What was complete? We all say, oh, what's complete is the salvation of man. What is complete is the revelation of the Father. It is finished. I have revealed the glory of Father's heart. He's the exact imprint. He's the fingerprint of God. He is the exact representation. What Jesus did represented fully the Father. What he did not do represents exactly what Father will not do. And so we look to Christ and we we love him. But in all that we've done, we realize it's the Father we're in love with. There was an experience I had as a young man. I was 15 years old, turning 16. A friend of mine invited me over one night. He said, hey, there's an FBI agent. He he went to St. Lucie's, the Catholic church, and he said, there's an FBI agent that's going to be over at the priest's house, and he said we could come over and ask questions and listen to the stories. I'm thinking, oh, yeah, secret agent man. So we got over there, and we're asking him all about the FBI and what it's like to be a spy and all this. For all I know, the guy probably was a desk clerk. I don't know. (laughs) But this guy began to talk to us. And he said, boys, if there's anything I could tell you, you need to tell your father you love him. It's so important for you to be in a right relationship with your father. I thought, what the, what has this got to do with, with spies? I want to hear some gunfights and some shoot them up and some covert operations. But something pierced my heart. I didn't have a bad relationship with my father. I, I loved my father. I was in those teenage years where he had his world and I had mine. We'd cross a bridge now and then. But something gripped me. I know now it was the Holy Spirit. I went home that night and I couldn't shake it. I got home and my dad was sitting there reading the newspaper. I said, I guess I should do what that guy said. Maybe that'll make me an FBI agent. <laughs> Maybe this is training. No, nah, I'm just kidding. I, I really felt this. And, and I went home and I sat down. I said, Dad, I got something to tell you. He's looking at the paper. Okay. Um, I tried to preface. I tried to think a different... And I, and I just finally, I said, Dad... I want you to know I love you. And he put the paper down. I said, that's nice. Honey, Tim's got something to say to you. I said, no, 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 no. This is for you. I meant to say it to you. And he said, thank you. That means a lot. Didn't seem to have much of an effect or an impact at all. Later, talking to my mom, I remember her telling me when he was in bed that night how important that was for him. I had no idea how important it was going to be. Just a year later, my father took his life, suicide. 
a long story. But you know, I knew, my dad knew, his son loved him. I don't know how long you've gone to church, worshiping Jesus, praising him, but there's a block between you and Father. Today, recognize that everything you love in Christ was actually the Father. Everything you love about God, everything God has ever given you is from the Father. Your salvation comes from your Father. Christ and every benefit he's given us comes from the Father. He said, it's not my words, people. It's not my works. It's his. If it was any passion in Christ, it was to reveal the glory of his Father. In the end, it says in 1 Corinthians 15 that Christ will subdue all nations and make them his footstool so that he can turn everything in creation over to his Father. It is a love story of a father. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, Jesus said, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Father is in you. Oh, it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Father's heart. I don't know what you were brought up under. What kind of maybe legalistic view, the, the wrath of God, the anger of Father. I don't know what kind of father you had. It may have been abusive, and I don't know if that father gets in the way of understanding Father God. But won't you tell him today, Father, I love you. Thank you for your grace and your mercy your discipline and your justice. For what father doesn't discipline his children but the one who loves him? If anything could be heard today, speak to the father and feel his love. Let's bow our heads.